1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: All right, back with you here on The Lake Show. News Talk 830 WCCO. It's been a while since we had our next guest on the show. He's been ducking me for a while. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm having a little fun. Chris Thomason from the uh, St. Paul Pioneer Press. Always a pleasure to have him on The Lake Show. And he joins us now courtesy of the John Schuster Banker Hotline. Chris, how you been?
3: Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me, my friend.
2: Hey man, you um you have become quietly one of everybody's favorite uh, follows on Twitter when we talk Minnesota Viking football. You are up to 40 over 41,000 followers. How does it feel to have that many people stalking you?
3: <laughs> Who knows, my friend, just doing uh doing the best I can.
2: Yeah, no, I hear you, man. Well, speaking of doing the best that you can, uh, we're going to see what the best is from the Minnesota Vikings here this season. It's a new regime. It's a new era of Minnesota Viking football with Kevin O'Connell. I guess in the months since Kevin O'Connell was named as the, uh, the new head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, what have you learned about him uh, in his short time as head coach?
3: Well, very enthusiastic about everything. I mean, uh, <laughs> a little bit different than the previous regime, and uh, people can kind of feel the energy in the building, and now we'll uh, see if it translates potentially into victories. I was talking to Bud Grant last week, and he said, well, he's a good guy, but he'll be a better guy if he wins a couple more ball games." Yeah. So, yep. yeah. But, yeah, yeah. so basically, I mean, you know, it's been a continuous honeymoon since February, but uh, now it gets real on Sunday.
2: Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And look, I don't care about the preseason. Uh, I'm happy that Kirk Cousins didn't play it down. I'm happy that Dalvin Cook didn't play. I'm happy that Justin Jefferson, I'm happy that those guys going into week one are going to be ready to go and they're going to be healthy. So to me, that doesn't matter at all. But when we start talking about, Facing the Packers, what are your concerns about maybe this offense and this this maybe this new uh, scheme that they have defensively? What are your concerns about Minnesota Viking football as we head into Week One against the team that's uh, dominated the division the last couple of years?
3: Well, I would say if I were the Vikings, a main concern, and I don't necessarily disagree with you in terms of not playing starters in the preseason but uh it might be more of an indication on defense the packers have a veteran defense returning and uh same scheme same everything meanwhile the vikings not only have they been crummy adjusting to defense the last you know their defense the last couple years they've got some new additions and they're shifting from the 4 3 to a 3 4. So it seems to me there's going to be a lot more of a feeling out process on defense for the Vikings than there certainly will be for the Packers, even though they didn't play people in the preseason. But in terms of offense, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, the offense uh, gets going and doesn't miss a beat.
2: Talking to Chris Thomason from the St. Paul Pioneer Press here on the Lake Show on News Talk A three O WCCO. Give him a follow on Twitter at Chris Thomason. He does a phenomenal job of covering the Minnesota Vikings for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Um, how much should people read into or be disappointed that Lewis who they selected did not beat out Cam Bynum in terms of that top safety, uh, safety spot?
3: You know, that's an interesting one since, uh, you know, the, uh, big stud Kyle Hamilton taken uh, by the Ravens is having just a phenomenal preseason. And everybody kind of assumed that when Louis seen was taken in the first round of the draft, that he was going to be the guy, but we'll just have to see if it's more to do with scene, not learning the system super fast or the fact that Cameron Bynum is just a heck of a good player. I mean, if you recall, Last year, Bynum stepped in when Harrison Smith was out and uh, looked really great as a fourth-round pick out of California. So it might be a case of, hey, we we already had a great safety in uh, Bynum here. So uh, we'll just have to kind of evaluate that during the season. We'll see if Bynum holds on to the job throughout the campaign or what.
2: You know, even though Cam Bynum has looked good and he looked good last year, I just, I, I really question. And this is the part where I have a lot of questions about the Vikings defensively. Is their secondary? I know that Harrison Smith is is has has been an all world player, but he's getting up there in age. Patrick Peterson up there in age. I just don't know what's going to happen with the the cornerback situation. Cam Dantzler still has to prove it. Uh, you know, the rookie Boo Jr. he has to prove it. Well, what are your thoughts on the secondary overall?
3: Yeah, I think mainly at cornerback, no doubt there are concerns. Patrick Peterson obviously isn't the Pro Bowl player he once was. And interestingly, teams didn't throw as much against Peterson last year and test him because I think they were too busy throwing at the other cornerback slot. And Bashad Breeland was so bad that they wanted to take advantage of that. But It'll be interesting to see how much Peterson gets tested, and it will also be interesting to see if Cameron Dantzler really has made strides this year. I mean, he says he's a better player. He's put on weight and what have you. But uh, after that, there's not a lot of depth at cornerback. So that's why the pass rush is going to be so pivotal this year with Daniel Hunter and Z'Darrius Smith trying to put pressure on the quarterback and make up for the not-so-great cornerbacks. Yeah. Well, Chris, speaking of pressure,
2: I'm so glad that you brought up that word. Um, how much pressure on Kirk Cousins? I know that everybody knows that he's got an all-world running back in Dalvin Cook. He has outstanding receivers in Adam Thielen, and who I believe is the best – uh, receiver in the league starting right now with Justin Jefferson. I think that this is going to – look, he's broken out the, the the first two years of his career. I think that this should be a massive year. But how much pressure is on Kirk? Because Kirk got more money, um, and we, we're we hearing all the stuff about Kevin O'Connell uh, loves Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is going to shine uh, with, uh, with Kevin O'Connell now. How much pressure is on Kirk, though?
3: You know, I think there's a reasonable amount of pressure on Cousins because here he is having a coach who uh, really likes him. I mean, say what you want about the previous coach, but Kevin O'Connell does really like him. He's previously worked with him in Washington. So it's a much more relaxed situation and that sort of thing than there was previously. But still, we got a rookie coach, and uh, Cousins is under a guaranteed contract for 2023 in addition to 2022. So I'm not going to say that he absolutely has to lead the team to the playoffs this year or they're going to look to trade him or what have you. I think, you know, unless he falls in his face, I think they'll at least exercise some patience. I think they've hitched their wagon to Cousins at least for the next two seasons. Yeah.
2: All right, uh, one of the final things I want to ask you about is, of all the players that you, that you watched over the course of the preseason with the Minnesota Vikings that you watched at training camp, uh, who impressed you the most that, that maybe is flying under the radar?
3: Well, I mean, I think you got to go with Ed Ingram. I mean, I, well, he's not flying under the radar, obviously, but uh, they put him out there in some of the practices. And during training camp, he quickly passed Jesse Davis as the uh, starter at right guard. And uh, even though he gave up a sack in the San Francisco game, generally he played pretty well. And so the writing was on the wall throughout training camp for Jesse Davis. And, of course, they traded him to Pittsburgh. I think the surprise was how fast he quickly asserted himself. Because you look at some previous second-round picks at on the offensive line, Brian O'Neill, who's now a pro bowler, didn't start until his uh, you know, fourth or fifth or sixth game in his uh, rookie year. And then Ezra Cleveland, it was kind of the same scenario. So here's Ingram starting his first game. So probably that's overall the biggest surprise when you look back at who they drafted last April.
2: Yeah, well, Chris, I want to say this in closing. I'm very thankful that uh, you come on the Lake Show and spend some time with us here and, and give your 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 wisdom and your knowledge and your covering uh, of Minnesota Viking football. But I also want to say congratulations to you because I see that you'll be having a book signing this coming Saturday, September the 10th, from 1 to 4 at the Barnes & Noble at the Mall of America for your book, The Minnesota Vikings All-Time All-Stars. All
3: uh- right. I really appreciate that. Yeah, anybody who wants to come by this uh, Saturday, Mall of America, Barnes & Noble, 1-4, to it would be great to see you.
2: Awesome, man. And you can find that online. It's uh, the Minnesota Vikings' all-time all-stars, Chris Thomason, joining us now, book signing this Saturday from 1 until 4 at the Mall of America in Bloomington. Hey, Chris, man, always a pleasure, and uh, I look forward to chatting with you do- throughout the season.
3: Really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right,
2: take care. That's Chris Thomason joining us here on the the Lake Show on News Talk 830 WCCO. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Chris Thomason, and we truly do appreciate his coverage and his fine work for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. All right, coming up next, uh, the Minnesota State Fair. Their attendance rebounded. We all wanted to go to the fair, but there was a downside to the fair this year. We get to that next year on the Lake Show. All right, the Minnesota State Fair. Another one in the books, and according to the Minneapolis Star Tribune, the State Fair Tennis rebounded to 1.8 million people this year with many fairgoers returning after skipping last year's event due to COVID-19. I mean, heck, we were back out there broadcasting live and hanging yeah, out we and doing shows, and it was fun for me to be out there yesterday, and I was out there doing a full show last Thursday evening. That was fun. This year's 12-day extravaganza uh, fell short of beating the all-time attendance record of 2.1 million back in 2019, though attendance was up from 1.3 million in 2021. They say in the Strip, though, it remains unclear whether emerging public safety concerns, including two Labor Day weekend incidents that uh, drew sharp rebuke from Governor Tim Walls may have affected attendance. I wonder how many people out there were concerned and were worried about crime, shootings, everything, and going out to the state fair. I So this is my stand, and we can take a phone call on this as well at 651-461-9226. It never crossed my mind that anything would happen. Okay? Can crime happen anywhere? Of course. We know that. Uh, is crime going to happen generally more when we talk about putting a bunch of people together? Sure. Yes. It's the Minnesota State Fair though and we typically don't see um gun violence, okay? Was I shocked at all? I wasn't shocked but a little bit surprised that we had this now. And I say a little bit because we've seen crime rise all over the country, all over the country. Did I for one second not want to go to the Minnesota state fair because of what has occurred here across the country and specifically in the twin cities in the last year or two with crime and the rise in crime? No, but I wouldn't put it past anybody out there listening for them to that play a part into their thinking about whether they want to bring their family down there. I would not knock anybody that that said, hey, um, as much as I love the fair, I actually didn't want to bring my family down there because I was a little bit concerned. I would knock anybody for that at all because anything can happen anytime, any place, anywhere. And the thing that I hate about what just transpired here at the end of the fair is that it just comes across as just some young hooligans that just don't give a damn wanted to terrorize people in terms of doing something right there at like the front gate. I think that there was the, I guess the first incident actually happened in the fair, right? Which, which, which brings in the – well, there was footage of people kind of – People dispersed. that were running. Yeah, they were running because it was a fight broke out or something like that. Right, not, yeah. Not, I, I know fights break out at concerts and sporting events. We have NFL games every Sunday and people fight. Not, not, I'm not okaying any of it. But the bottom line is that it just seemed like after one really good week of the fair and nothing's happening – there were young people that said, "To hell with it, we're just going to act a fool," well, and, which and, bugs me to no end.
4: And I think what actually worked—maybe um, it's you know a positive and a negative. Number one, it, it didn't happen till the end of the fair. Like this didn't happen on the first weekend. This happened the what the the Saturday and the Sunday, the you know the the last two
2: Saturday uh, and Monday,
4: Saturday and Monday. Yep. Uh, so it didn't happen at the beginning of the fair, but. At the same time, with all the positivity with the fair, it came so late mm-hmm. that this is going to be one of the things that people are going to remember about. It's a buzzkill.
2: It, yeah, it, it, it ruins a, the it, mood.
4: It's it's the it recency, does. it's the recency bias. Absolutely, this is all that good stuff is going to be overshadowed. But we should remember it, though. We we should remember. So, this. I'm not saying we. Sh- I'm not yeah. saying we shouldn't. but yeah, I, know, I, 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 I don't
2: want the focus to be this. Because no, to me, this doesn't define the fair. It doesn't define the fair. But I have to be honest, though. We have to strategize and think about how we're going to move forward with this Mm -hmm. because I'm not going to sit here and say I've never felt secure for one second at the fair. I always feel secure when I'm going through and I'm parking in the media parking and all this stuff, whatever. There's plenty of police right there. They're going, they'll look in your, in your vehicle. You know, you have to have the, the right type of pass. All this stuff. I feel pretty, pretty safe. I've never felt unsafe. I guess my point though is that on the outside of the fair, it's a different story. It, it's a little bit of a different story. It yeah. is a different story
4: because yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't have those individuals that are controlling the variables inside, and that's the part that bugs. Yeah, them. you can't take that and just put it outside.
2: Yep. Let's go to Clayton in Columbia Heights. What's up, Clayton? Hi. Thanks for taking my call. No problem.
3: Yeah, uh, I heard today that there was uh, 400,000 people in attendance the last two days of the fair, so I don't think that really affected it.
2: Okay. Did, now, did you ever? Did, did, anyway. did, did you ever? Did you ever make it out there?
3: No, I didn't this year. But okay. I've been out there, and I was out there the one year when there was some other Well, It is kind of a scary scene when you see it.
2: Yeah, I've so, actually seen it. So, so but, now, uh, now, do you do you ha- do you have any friends or any uh, family members that made it out to the fair this year? And if they did make it out to the fair, what were the reports that you got from them?
3: You know what? All reports of anybody I knew from work and relatives just said they had a great time. Okay, none of them even mentioned that.
2: Got you. Got I don't
3: you. know personally know anybody that was there right when that happened. Yeah, but uh, I didn't hear that. Everybody, everybody I heard had nothing but good to say about the fair this year.
2: I hear you. Thanks to the phone call from Clayton in Columbia Heights. And look, that th- th- that is exactly how I view this. Like, were there a couple of bad apples at the end of, or bad incidents at the at the end of the fair in itself? You don't want to see what happened Saturday night happen you don't want to see somebody get shot on Monday. you don't want to see any of that but i don't think that these situations define the state fair and what and what made up the the 2022 minnesota state fair experience no it
4: it, it shouldn't and that's the unfortunate thing that when this happens what's the first thing going back to what we were talking about about 45 minutes ago it became politicized what's so and so doing this was an incident that happened on a saturday night you can have Outstanding security. You can have all of the pieces in place, and something could sneak by you. Like, something could happen. It doesn't mean that the fair security was at fault. It doesn't mean that everybody there wasn't doing their job. Like This was something that, uh, unfortunately— We've had
2: had situations at the Mall of America.
4: Absolutely. Like, you can go to any event that's going to bring in hundreds of thousands of people, and you— Just by the numbers, Henry, just by the sheer odds, you can put it out there that there's going to be one knucklehead that's going to do something. Even if it's just one in 500,000, it's still going to be that one that could ruin it. And that's the unfortunate part, because you can have everything lined up and in place, and it just takes one person to do something stupid. And I I feel that's what happened at the State Fair.
2: Yeah, and and let me say this real quick. I don't think that Governor Walls is a – is a guy that's not tough on, on criminals or on crime. I don't think that at all. I do think that, that he specifically is going to have to be a little bit more decisive about deterrence. And I think that we're going to have to see that from law enforcement as well. Like this lawlessness – um, this has got to end. I, 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 I'm tired. I'm tired of people. And I don't care if it's if you live in Columbia Heights. I don't care if you live in Eden Prairie. I don't care if you live in North Minneapolis. I don't care where you live. There are certain people that just don't get it. They just don't care. And when those people do things that impact all of us, then we have to make sure that they um, are dealt with, and emphatically we have to deal with them to let them know or let the people know that we're not having this at all. I don't care if it's the Mall of America. We just can't stand for this anymore. All right, uh, coming up next, uh, we'll take a look at the uh, the latest with the local weather, and then also after that, we'll get into around the NFL that next year on The Lake Show. All right, The Lake Show here on the Good Neighbor News Talk 830 WCCO. Now that we're back into the National Football League season season, That means it's time for the return of Around the NFL. And by the way, real quickly. Yeah. People, make sure that you're listening. I want you to listen to the entire show. But specifically this half hour. Because before 8 o'clock, we're giving away a four-pack of tickets for next Tuesday September the 13th, Minnesota Twins hosting the Kansas City Royals. A four-packet tickets, and it's the final T-shirt Tuesday of the season. First 5,000 fans pick up an exclusive Twins T-shirt. So be listening. When you hear the sounder that is played, that sweeper, and you know what it sounds like, you have to be caller number three. Caller number three to 651-461-9226. And you'll win that four pack.
4: Hey, the games, we're right there. I the Guardians—they are a game ahead of the Twins. Let's go, people. I know, I know. It's—I don't know whether it's good that the Twins are a game back or bad, like because I keep playing the "what if" game. But I know that no, I no, it's can't. good because
2: they could be back fifteen. Uh,
4: I, they could be up ten. That that too. <laughs> that too. It's a twenty-five game swing, people. We don't know where they'd be. All right, let's get into it, Henry. And it's Packer Week. Now, the Packers are going to look a little bit different because they don't have number 17. I guess he was a pretty good wide receiver, Devontae Adams. Traded him to the Las Vegas Raiders. So now I want to ask you. You've got three-time MVP Aaron Rodgers on one side. We don't know who the wide receivers are going to be to step up for them. You've got Kirk Cousins coming into this perfect setup, at least we look at it, Mm -hmm. with a new offensive-minded head coach. Best wide receiver in the league, maybe the best wide receiver tandem in the NFL, Dalvin Cook, Irv Smith, maybe an improved offensive line. So I want to ask you, a better statistical season, Aaron Rodgers or Kirk Cousins?
2: Uh, this is kind of a trick question. Okay, it's, it's a little bit of a trick question. Best season stat-wise, Aaron Rodgers or Kirk Cousins? Yes, who's going to have the better stats? I am going to go with Kirk Cousins. Because Kirk Cousins has the better receivers. He has the best receiver in the game in Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen, phenomenal receiver still. I'm not sure if I'm going to say he's elite still, but he's top tier. And then you've got Dalvin Cook, who can catch it out of the backfield, an improving offensive line. Irv Smith, still a question mark. I don't know what he's going to bring you um, at the tight end position. But I'm going to say stat-wise... Kirk Cousins over Aaron Rodgers. But there's reasons behind this. Okay, Not just based on what Kirk Cousins has and we're not sure about Aaron Rodgers' receivers. There's something else about the Packers. I believe that the Green Bay Packers are going to lean more on their running game than what they have in years past. I really do. A.J. Dillon is about to be a force. He is the... We know that Aaron Jones is the starter. Yes, but what they call the guys in New York, the Giants, was a thunder and lightning.
4: Thunder, uh, Brandon Jacobs. Yes. and uh, Tiki Barber. Thunder I think and lightning.
2: that's I think that's what Green Bay is about to do. So I, I think, think you have
4: got thunder and thunder right here, though.
2: Yeah, I think that I think that I think that that's what they're going to do. They're going to lean a little. Not that they're not going to throw it a ton, but mm-hmm. I think that they're going to lean more on the running game. But when you ask that question, who's going to have a better season stat-wise? Yeah. It's a little bit of a trick question, and the reason why I say this is because I think that Kirk could end up having better stats, but what's the stat that matters? Wins. Wins. Yep.
4: All right, so let me ask you this, because you mentioned A.J. Dillon, and you mentioned Aaron Jones. Who's got the better offense this season? Is it going to be the Packers, or is it going to be the Vikings? And I'm talking you know, all around, and I like Robert Tanyan, except he's coming off an injury, a significant knee injury. I'd give the nod to Green Bay if it wasn't for their wide receivers. I mean they get a, young, a lot of young wide receivers. No, we
2: got the better offense.
4: You got the be- we've got the better offense.
2: We've got the better offense. Okay. Now now do they have the better running backs in terms of total? Yes. We have the more dynamic back. We have the better back in Dalvin Cook, but we know one thing about Dalvin Cook. He's going to miss a couple of games. That's just a, I mean it's just a fact. Write it yes. down. Mark it down. The same way that Byron Buxton will miss time, Dalvin Cook will miss time. Okay. Do I like Alexander Madison? Absolutely. But to me, the tandem at running back of Dylan and Jones is better. But the receiving core for the Vikings Mm -hmm. and the emergence of the offensive line—it sounds like Ingram could be a a good draft pick. It
4: sounds like he could be the real Christian Darosaw
2: has improved, and he looked even looked good last year. Yeah, I think that the better offense here is Minnesota.
4: Okay. Now I just want to ask you flat out, are the Vikings going to beat the Packers Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium?
2: Will the Vikings beat the Packers?
4: Yes. At the end of the day, will the Minnesota Vikings score more points in a football game than the Green Bay Packers?
2: I'm going to say that they will. Okay. I believe that the Vikings upset the Packers on Sunday. By the way, this is not a noon game. This is a 325 kick. I I
4: know. What is this? I don't know.
2: Week one? This Uh, is what we're doing now? I I'm I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying
4: we're getting we're getting flexed to late afternoon, baby.
2: All right, so yeah, but we don't have the A team. No, I know. Yeah, I mean the A team's not going to be doing the uh, the Vikings game. But anyway,
4: I thought they followed Aaron Rodgers wherever he went. Sorry, I,
2: I think that I think that the Vikings squeeze past mm-hmm. the Packers, and the only re- reason why I believe that is because I think that the Kevin O'Connell era starts with the victory. They're at home, raucous crowd, and I think that the Neil Hunter and those guys are going to be fired up. But I think it's going to be extremely close. So I'm going to say that the Vikings beat the Packers 31-28.
4: Oh, I was thinking 31-27. That's where I was thinking. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking 31-27. I I do. I I think that—
2: Would I be surprised if Green Bay won the game? Of course not.
4: But I think that these are the sort of games, Henry, that— I think these are the games that the Vikings are going to end up playing a lot this year. Like they're going to get into some of these, you know, remember the old Houston Oilers, you know, air raid offense. It's like, yeah, they're going to get into some of these 45, 38 games. We're just going to have to deal with it. All right. So you've got the Vikings on record beating the Packers on Sunday to open yep. up the season. At the end of the, at the end of the season, I know people are, you know, they're, they're kind of warming up to the, the Detroit Lions a little bit but to me i think it's a two team race between the vikings and the packers who wins the nfc north
2: until i can get some clarification on the vikings being a good secondary until i can see that confirmation that aaron rodgers receivers are going to let him down unfortunately i have to go with the with the pack okay the the pack is still the team to beat and
4: it's just because of number 12
2: and they have a better defense. Okay. They do. Like, we, we got to figure out what our secondary situation is like. Lewis seen was the first person that the Vikings took this year in the draft. Mm-hmm. He's not starting. Like, look, I like Cam Bynum, but what does that say about Louis seen?
4: But at the same time, are we at a position, though, where we just – if you're a first-round pick, if you don't step in right away and you're a week one starter – are you a bust? I mean, are we already? No, no,
2: no, no, no. No one's calling him a bust. No, but, no, no, but, no. No. But, but I mean, are, are, no one's calling him a bust.
4: But if, if he starts, I don't know, week four, week five, halfway through the season, I mean, is it fair to him to put him in a position, meaning Louis seen that he's got to start week one?
2: No, it's fair to question why he's not starting week one. He was their first draft pick. Mm-hmm. There's a glaring hole in terms of their secondary. Like, I've asked Chris Thomas in the question. He's like, great question. I asked Matthew Collier the question last week. He's like, great question. Like, people are a little bit like, hold on, what the hell is going on here? Like, it was perfectly set up, going into training camp. For him to
4: step in. For and him to spot. step yeah. right in.
2: Yeah, The same way that, you know, who who was um, allowed to kind of step right in if he took care of his business was Justin Jefferson because they traded away Stephon Diggs and they, they, they brought him in and he was the guy. Now he didn't get a bunch of touches. They didn't target him very much.
4: Well, they also didn't start him till like week four. Which I get was that, but, stupid.
2: That's, but that was stupid on their part. Very like, stupid. Like to me, there's something else there though with the same stuff.
4: Okay, I know sometimes they just feel like maybe you know rookies. It's like your first round pick. Boom! You instantly got to come in and you, you got to be a day one starter. And well, when you're a first round pick, you should be. You, ca- you kind of just expect.
2: I'm not. I'm not, not saying every every situation is different because Jordan Love, you're not going to start over Aaron right. And I,
4: and I feel like right now, and Chris mentioned it, like we're looking at Kyle Hamilton and everything that Hamilton yep. does. It's like, well, what about him? You know, it's like you could have had him. Could have had him. Yep. You know, so I mean, I feel like it's just a bad spot to Lewis seen to be in. Number one, if he doesn't claim that starting job. But number two, he's always going to be compared to what Kyle Hamilton does. You know, good batter or otherwise. Yep. Two uh two non-Vikings Packers questions here. Okay. Will the winner of the Bills Rams game on Thursday night, will they be the Super Bowl favorite? No. No.
2: No. Because I don't think that the Rams are going to be favored to win the Super Bowl this year. When I think of the teams that people think could possibly go ahead and Win it all. Mm-hmm. I think the Bills, people will make a legitimate case I, for I the think Bills. The, the
4: Bills, I think, I've seen a lot of overwhelming favorites with the Bills.
2: People will like the Bills. People will like the Packers. People will like... Um, Still like Kansas City? They'll like Kansas City. People will... Uh, I guess the Rams still have to be viewed as contenders. The Buccaneers are always going to be viewed as contenders as long as Tom Brady's mm-hmm. alive. Yeah. So I just, I think that, look, regardless of whether the Bills lose or not on Thursday, are we going to think that after week one that the Bills are not legit? Of I, course.
4: I, yeah, I, I think no matter what the Bills, I, I think the, the game on Thursday night, to me, is much more about the Rams than it is the Bills. Because if the Rams come out and the Bills somehow play convincingly, people are going to wonder, you know, the Rams, was that because you basically bought that? They didn't have any draft picks. They basically bought their team, you know, and it worked out. So I think it's going to be very interesting from that perspective. All right, speaking of Tom Brady, let's wrap it up with this. He took some time off during training camp to do, you know, Tom Brady things. Yep. Do you feel like he's all in? With the Buccaneers, or is he just going through the motions right now?
2: No, I think he's all in. Okay. I I I don't think that Tom Brady is the type of guy that's going to go out there if he's not all in.
4: Okay. So you're I, not I, so you're not worried about him taking some time away during training? Camp. Yeah, because we don't know what it was about.
2: There was some speculation because remember his mom had, had been ill with cancer like a couple of years ago. Remember when they won the Super Bowl? Yeah. And you never so there was some speculation, and I don't know if it's true or not. So. Here I find myself on the radio speculating, Mm -hmm. but something about maybe his mother was ill or something like that, the the stuff about him and Giselle and Giselle being mad, who knows? But I think that he's back on the field because he is all in.
4: Okay. All right. That that was just my question. You know, sometimes we know quarterbacks get star treatment and, you know, sometimes you hear these guys, well, he's got his own brand and he's got so many other things. Like, is he really focused on football right now? Or is he maybe you know kind of one foot out the door? So, i curious.
2: I hear you. All right, that's going to wrap up around the NFL. Coming up next, though, something that we would always do on nine on the nine p.m. show is called headlines. Now it's well at seven forty-five. That's next year on the Lake Show. All right, it's time to get into headlines, and don't forget that we'll be giving away a four-pack of tickets for next Tuesday, September the thirteenth. Twins Royals. The final T-shirt Tuesday of the season. First 5,000 fans pick up the exclusive Twins T-shirt. We'll get to that. Be calling number 3, 651-461-9226. But now it's time for headlines.
4: All right, let's get to it, H Lake. Minneapolis business leaders hope workers return to downtown after Labor Day. Minneapolis Downtown Council President Steve Kramer told WCCO Radio he's optimistic more workers will return to the city after Labor Day. He told Jason DeRush to on Friday... Quote, we thought there'd be a bigger bump over the summer. It's plateaued a little bit, but we're hoping there will be a bump after Labor Day. But right now, we're just going to see how it plays out. Kramer said 55% of downtown businesses report some workers being in the office at least part of the week this summer. 20% of the businesses were waiting until after Labor Day to implement flexible work schedules for workers, which may include working out of downtown offices. Now, the downtown council is working with law enforcement on safety concerns, something we talked about here. Henry's Kramer said often the perception of what it's like downtown amid multiple reports of violent crimes can be contradictory to what people may experience if they brought their families to a Twins game or something else.
2: I hope that more people uh, come back to downtown Minneapolis. I hope that more companies, um, I don't want to say require, Their uh, employees to come downtown or back back, you know, back to the offices, not require encourage Mm -hmm. them to do so, because I agree with that last little assessment that you just talked about. I think that the. That there is a stereotype, there is optics to it. I think that the imagery of downtown just being a hellhole is worse than what it actually is. Now I'm not saying that it's void of crime that's not what i'm saying. I'm not stupid. I'm not going to paint that picture that negative things don't occur ever, but it's not how people present it at times
4: no and that's and that's the hard thing for a lot of these places that they're fighting this perception right yep. this image problem and you can tell people a hundred times it's not like that but it doesn't matter what they think if they've got it in their mind. And that's yeah you know, what, what a lot of these places are currently dealing with. Hey, a Republican county official in Georgia escorted two operatives working with an attorney for former Donald uh, former president Donald Trump into the county's election offices on the same day. A voting system there was breached. Now, the breach is now under investigation by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation and is of interest to Fulton County District Attorneys who are conducting a wider criminal probe of interference in the 2020 election. The video sheds more light on how an effort spearheaded by lawyers and others around Trump to seek evidence of voter fraud was executed on the ground from Georgia to Michigan to Colorado. Uh, in the surveillance video, Henry, Kathy Lehman, a former GOP chairwoman of Coffee County who's under a criminal investigation for posing as a fake elector, escorts a team of pro-Trump operatives to the county's elections office on January 7th, Twenty twenty one, the same day, a voting system there is known to have been breached. Well,
2: this is the deal. We've been talking about and hearing about the Georgia stuff for quite some time. We heard the phone call where Trump is imploring, "I need." Well, I can't, I can't remember how many thousand votes it was. Right, eleven
4: thousand, some odd votes. All
2: right, whatever it was. Yeah. We we heard that. Like we we've we've all heard the the audio of it. That's damaging. That's the thing. The reason why Lindsey Graham and all these other people are going to have to go in front of the intestine is because I think there's probably a lot of information there. It's not shocking to me that this video has emerged. I think there's going to be a lot to emerge out of this.
4: Yeah, there's definitely a a lot more that we're going to see. Hey, McDonald's newest item for fall doesn't have pumpkin or maple flavor flavors. And I'm a little disappointed with that. Rather, it's a nostalgic treat from more than three decades ago. Beginning September 14th, the chain is bringing back the cheese danish, which is a flaky pastry filled with sweet cream cheese and topped with a buttery streusel and light vanilla drizzle. Mm. Where is this again? uh, At uh, McDonald's. Oh, McDonald's, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they said the limited time offering is, quote, a fresh take on a similar pastry it briefly served back in the 80s. It's the latest example of a fast food giant tapping in a nostalgia of course, Pizza Hut really uh, recently turned back time, reintroducing their logo from the 90s. And McDonald's frequently brings back the McRib. And the Burger King briefly returned the Whopper to its original launch price.
2: So I have to be honest. Something that I've been craving the last week or so okay. is I've seen this commercial because, you know, Wendy's is in the breakfast business, right? Yeah. And I haven't done any of the Wendy's breakfast. Okay. But they've been pitching this French toast sticks. Since they've been running that commercial, I've been craving Burger King's French toast. Sticks. See that? Because those yeah. are legit. Okay. I don't care what anybody says; they are legit. So now I'm craving them.
4: Okay. Well, Gosh. that's it's doing what it should. Then it's doing what it should. No, but but it's a Wendy's commercial.
2: I want the Burger King you want ones. The Burger they King. They were the one, ones man. that did it first.
4: See? It's it's hard, man, because it's. I mean, that's what they're doing, and. Yeah, it's hard when you look at something, you're like, I'm craving somebody else's item. That's, yeah, maybe it's not doing what it should. A, a, a federal court in California dismissed a lawsuit alleging that the cover artwork of the rock band Nirvana's 1991 album, Nevermind, constituted uh, child pornography. Now, 31-year-old Spencer Eldon, he appeared naked on the album cover as a baby, sued the band over alleged commercial child sexual exploitation, mm-hmm. but his lawsuit was dismissed on Friday when a judge ruled that he filed his complaint after a 10-year statute of uh, limitations has expired. So many reasons why this should have been thrown out.
2: I'm so happy. Can we get a little nirvana on the way out? I know this is, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you here at the last second, but a little nirvana, man. I mean... When 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 I saw this story, I was happy. I was excited. I was stoked. I was pumped that this was shot down because I just didn't I didn't think it should be a thing. My favorite diviner song is Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah, yeah here we go. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I love this song, man. Now just let it ride out into the uh, into the break here. Coming up next, Minnesotans driving like crazy, and it's killing people. We get to that next here
0: on the Lake Show. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.